Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all the past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes. Plus, we will do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Your movie, your small business, how cool you are, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes. Plus, we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. That's an incredible deal. So once again, the URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is John D'Amico and Jenna Ipcar. Hello. Ah, somebody's lively. (laughs) Somebody's not. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to one-up him. Yeah, well, you you definitely did. We yin and yang sometimes. Yin and yang? Yin and yang. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about it. All right, so today... We're talking about the Oscar winners because we did our little Oscar prediction slash thoughts episode, and now the Oscars have happened, of course, and these are our thoughts on the Oscar winners. So how'd you guys like watching the Oscars? Totally missed it. (laughs) How about you, John? I have literally never seen the Oscars in my life. I'm the only one who watched this fucking thing. I was in an airport, uh, stuck in an airport in in Orlando for several hours, unfortunately. Not that I would have really gotten home for it, but I would have gotten home for most of it. But Mm -hmm. they delayed my plane for no reason, so alas. Alas. I'm the only one who actually witnessed this uh, television event with eyes. But you you guys know who won, yes, I presume? Yeah, I got the internet. You got the internet. I got newspapers. Did you see clips at all from the show? Yeah, I saw some things some people posted. All right. I watched the news. I've the seen probably day. eight minutes of every Oscar ceremony. Okay. Okay. Eight to ten, I would say. That's probably now, the best version of the Oscars, actually. Yeah. Eight know. minutes. We should we should start with probably what John D'Amico is most pleased with, which is uh, Mad Max winning six. Production design, film editing, costume design, makeup, sound editing, sound mixing, are you pretty happy about that there, guy? Because uh... I mean, it's uh, clearly the message is Mad Max was the best movie of the year, but we're never going to give a sci-fi movie best movie of the year. Right. It seems pretty clear. I think it's bullshit that uh, Inaritu took director instead of George Miller, because that's just not tenable really at all. I mean, Revenant was an impressive feat, but that's ridiculous. I was well-directed, though. I thought that's one of the things that I liked about it. It really gave you that scope of and sweep of, uh, you know, feeling like you're out in the wilderness like that. And I thought, you know, for, for all of its cheesy moments, I thought that, it, you know, the direction was in not the acting. Actually, I'll go ahead and jump into that. I don't think Leo should have won at all. 
Um, then that means that uh, Inaritu shouldn't have won because that's his responsibility. Right. No, it's just that I don't think that that role, it's not that he did a bad job. It's just that that role wasn't really deserving of an Oscar. You know, I thought Tom Hardy was a, a much more interesting role that had more uh, subtle yeah, acting. Yeah, Hardy was unbelievable. Uh, you know, in but in Revenant even, and he was good in Mad Max too. But um, I mean, the the direction for that film, I thought that the pacing of that film was great. You know, I thought- Really? I was, See, I thought the pacing was terrible. Oh, I loved I it. I thought all the uh, all the asides when it started to break location and show you like dreams and visions and everything was just terrible. And, I had um, no issue with them. I thought that they worked. I mean, it was a little that that sort of a magical thinking. I think makes sense for a white man stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you know, like yeah, it, but what Mad else you Max do? did the same thing, and it worked in Mad Max. You know, in uh, in Revenant, they were doofy. It? What 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 asides worked in Mad Max really? everything about Mad Max worked. See, Mad Max didn't Mad Max really is, do it for I, me. I think I, it's very clear to me that the Academy, they basically wanted it for everything, but somehow sci-fi, they just don't, they won't allow it. They wouldn't allow it with Alien. They wouldn't allow it with Star Wars, Aliens, 2001. They wouldn't allow it with... What do you think it would take? What do you think... It it's is, not, it's not ever. You think it'll just never happen? No. I mean, know. if it wouldn't happen with 2001 in right. 68, if it wouldn't happen with Star Wars in 77... If it wouldn't happen with this, if it wouldn't happen with, I mean, take your pick. Right. You know, I mean, the, the genre has made its case for itself. Mm. Yeah, I think it's 2001 is, that was the the like nail in the coffin. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. I mean, like, yes, I, I would have had, it had Mad Max won for best picture. I wouldn't have been terribly thrilled, but I wouldn't have been like, how dare you? You know, I mean, like, right. I get it. You know, it was enjoyable. Uh, that said, I did love Spotlight. So I watched Spotlight recently since, since our last episode I hadn't seen it. I watched it recently and I was actually fairly impressed with it. I don't really think it was the best picture either though, but I'm, I'm on the fence about it. I feel like of, of what was nominated, I probably would have chosen the Revenant, but because beast of no nation, I will stick to it. Absolutely should have won. That was, that was the, the, the film that's of the a, year. That's a big snub. That's a, it's like they're trying to erase that from history. Like it, it, it's really embarrassing that that was, that was left off. But I liked Spotlight. Um, you know, it's an interesting, it was it was certainly an interesting uh, telling of that story that, um, you know, was not uh, gratuitous or voyeuristic. Yeah, and I think it's genuinely rare to see actually restrained, subtle filmmaking get rewarded instead of, say, like, Tom Hooper, Danish girl, subtle capital letter filmmaking. Right. You know, <laughs> Spotlight was honest and, and real and, you know, like... It was never uh, gilded. It had really uh, lovely camera work and smart pacing and was very well acted and very clever, but never uh, overstated itself. I, I agree with that. It definitely it ended in real time. Uh, you know, rather yeah. it, it unfolded in real time. And that's what I really liked about yeah, it. Yeah, like it, it didn't rush itself and it didn't, it felt like it wasn't trying to impress you. It knew that it worked. You, yeah, you, you've, the horror of the realizations that they come to, there was no way to improve upon that, you yeah. know, instead of trying so hard, like, no, show it as it happened. It's just as horrifying. It's just as creepy. Uh, I really like that about it. Um, you know, and, and also learning from anecdotes and secondhand information. Yeah. It, it's so powerful. I mean, this is what is so powerful about radio that we skip over, you know, like that's why radio is successful is telling a story. You don't have to see it. You can just tell it. And it, it's wonderful to see that happen in, in a, a film that then gets... Um, well, that said, I mean, there's a lot of visual storytelling in Spotlight. I think, you know, in a quiet like way, there's a lot of... Um, the thing about it is it's, it's not... Um, 
you know, the color grading isn't really hyper-realistic and the camera work isn't like super directed. So it's, it's almost like you're ignored to it, but the, the, I think the blocking of it and the, and the visuals of it are quietly really, uh, really on point. There's stuff where, um, there's that one shot where, you know, like everybody's, uh, milling around in the office and they're all clearing out and you see, uh, leave Schreiber like way in the back just with his head down at his desk. And it's yeah. never like, it's never a big moment, but the, you, he's just always sort of present working in the distance and the, uh, the intercutting between the two survivors telling their stories. And one is like the, um, the sort of more like gentle, uh, guy. And the other is like the, the, the tough, uh, blue collar guy. And there's, I think, a lot of interplay in that visually, making you feel like this was uh, like an all-encompassing violation of the town. You know, like nobody was spared. And it's, it's like I said, genuinely subtle, which is so rare to see rewarded at the Oscars. I will say that the camera work I was sort of markedly unimpressed with. Though I will admit that there were great shots, like as you're saying, like uh, Liev Schreiber in uh, the Christian party. Yeah. Sitting alone at a table. And that sort of looking back towards him. But the, in general, the camera work reminded me of that sort of like, you know, it, it felt like a TV show. You know, well, I think it, the, the, it had that sort of almost like news footage type uh, feel, which I think worked. Yeah, that was the aesthetic. It was uh, it was a much quieter look than something like Fury Road or something like Revenant. Yeah, it, it kept the film grounded, you yeah. know, and it, it worked for this. I thought, you know, could it have been could there have been better shots? Like a couple of those shots of like cars pulling in and stuff I thought were just badly framed. But did it take away from the movie? No. <laughs> But I, I thought it could have been a bit better. I would say the best thing about that movie, though, was I, I thought that um, the point about um, damning victims for being, you know, quote, too close to, to uh, the story t in order to uh, be rational, um, you know, that, that, that whole point, they, they turn that on its head by saying, you know what, but sometimes uh, you're, you, the one judging that person, are too close <coughs> to the story to be rational. In the same way that, you know, these newscasters, uh, and rather these magazine um that these news writers are, you know, uh, didn't believe people, you know, and that I love yeah. that they show that that realization later on of, well, why didn't you do anything t 10 years ago? Here you are throwing blame yeah, at that people was crushing and it was great. And they made a great point about it without without hitting you over the head, but just enough that like you realize, oh, shit, everyone's guilty, which is the hallmark of the movie in general, you know, making the point without beating you down with the point. Yeah, and that, that you are just as guilty of perpetrating and condoning this sort of terrible acts as, you know, you claim that the victim who's stepping out and, and talking about it is, you know, and I thought that was, it was an interesting point. I'm glad that that got rewarded for Best Picture. Yeah. And and Best uh, Screenplay, right, right at the start of the night, right out of the gate, Best Screenplay, and then right at the end of the night, Best Picture. Uh, do you think it deserved Best Screenplay necessarily? Absolutely, I think. I mean, best picture I would have given to Fury Road, best director I would have given to Fury Road, but all things being equal, screenplay, I think, was always spotlight. Mm. I think I would have rather seen Mad Max win for it if the two of them were together. But I, to, again, like to for see screenplay. It, yeah. You know, just because it's, you know, I don't know. It's, it was well done. It was, uh, you know, but it was also this adaptation of, of a news story. So I don't know. It, to me, it feels like almost like it is just an adaptation, but I, that's not really true. It was obvious, you know, it's its own thing. But yeah, that's always the weird thing with a screenplay versus adapted screenplay. It's like, you know, you can have what is considered an original screenplay, but you're like you said, you're following essentially by the book of, of what happened, you know, in life. 
you're adapting from life. Right. You can't, there's not much wiggle room there yeah. and, unless you want to sort of screw over the story. So I'm happy but that the um, opportunity to fuck that up is so huge. That, oh, absolutely. I mean, just doing a, a news story. Well, I think is it's not absolutely easy at all. I mean, just look at all the movies that do it poorly. Or even look at one that does it well, but in a totally different direction. Look at uh, Pain and Gain, which was an adaptation of a, an article. You know, you can go that far from um, a grounded reality and still be telling your story. The, the, the breadth that you have to tell a, a, a story from a, a source like a news article is, I don't think, any narrower than the breadth you have to tell it from anything. I'm happy that big short one for uh, adapted screenplay, though. I still haven't seen it. I really want to. Um, I think that that was a, it was well done. It also, you know, like it also kind of feels like it's a two hour explanation of something, <laughs> which, um, I think spotlight kind of feels like too. It's like, let me read this news story to you. But, um, but big shorts more blatant about it. Big shorts more like yeah, didactic no, by right. far. They straight up have someone let's like, let's take a break, break the fourth wall and, and have yeah. someone else explain this to you. And that's the stuff I personally wasn't crazy about, but I will say that it was effective by the end of the movie. I kind of went into it begrudgingly. I wasn't really that interested. I'm interested in the, the more of the news article of that, but less so this movie adaptation. I, I really didn't I don't know I just wasn't really thrilled to see it I was expecting something that was going to be like a uh, wolf of wall street again um except it actually ended up being uh more subtle and less indulgent and um in the end I was pissed you know and not because I was angry at the movie but because of what they were telling me made me more and more angry and I thought that was actually fairly effective do you think the goal of the big short is get people angry or educate people I think that there's no way to be educated by it and not get angry about it. Mm -hmm. it's, it you know, but do even, you feel, do you personally feel like you'd know way more about the situation than you did been, going in? I've been following it. I will say that they do, they do a very good explanation of breaking down, um, you know, sort of terms that maybe you've, that get thrown around a lot, but you never stop to question. So it didn't like give what? me, uh, I don't know, like the, whatever these financial terms are, you know, there's a lot of like, CTO or whatever. I mean, like I know what a CTO is in a company, but like, you know, these, th th this sort of, uh, um, shorthand terms that are used in, in the, the bank. I obviously I don't remember them, <laughs> but you know, it's just things that, that you hear. Cause but, that was, I mean, that was the vibe that I got from the film. And I, I've seen that complaint where it's like, you know, it's more of a rile you up movie than like if it were a documentary and it really broke shit down. It was like, all right, well, I would have rather it have been a documentary. Yeah. Those documentaries uh, rile you up though. That's true. I mean, yeah. it's impossible to watch the front line about the uh, bank collapse without being riled up. It's just a riling thing. Yeah, you know? I don't think anyone rich or poor is going to get pissed about it because everyone got screwed over. You know, the only people that no one walked away well, except for the kind of the guys in the movie. And even then they're, they all had these moral breakdowns mm. or so it's shown. So, you know, I thought it was it was interesting. I think I actually would have rather just seen a documentary, though. I think it would have been exactly the same mm. without the acting that, you know, was didn't i could i could have taken or leaving it could have taken it or left it taken your leave of it taken my leave of it leavening bread leaven and andrew leaven <laughs> that's a guy all right so as far as acting stuff i mean the big i mean i was i was thinking stallone was gonna get it i thought that was a shoe-in and uh turned out not so much Turned out Mark Rylance. I haven't seen Bridge of Spies. I hear he's fucking amazing. He deserved it. Yeah, he's spectacular in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't be too upset about it because it seems like he lost to stiff competition. But I, I man, I really wanted Stallone to get it. I really did. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering what happened there because it was such a, you know, like 
there was such a let's give it to Stallone vibe. But you know what it might have been? I think it actually might have been that Creed got screwed over so hard in everybody else's and all the other categories that like it didn't really get reinforced in people's minds. Mm. You know, like if you were filling out your sheet of who's going to win and he keeps saying Creed, 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 you'd be reminded to be like, oh, Stallone. But Creed got uh, just the one. I don't know. I guess it sort of slipped through. But uh, Bridge of Spies, I really liked coming out of it, but I thought Rylance was noticeably better than the rest of the movie. Yeah. And then I saw a piece of it on the plane the other day and like, man, I really liked it. I kind of want to watch it again. I think I'm, it might be better the second time around, but I'm, I'm happy Rylance won. He was spectacular. Do you think it was a thing of like everybody who's voting kind of thought like, all right, well, everybody's going to be voting for Stallone. I want to make sure Rylance gets at least some vote so i'm gonna give it to rylance and enough people gave it to him that like he just no that sounds like a sitcom well that's that sounds like a student council election (laughs) in a fucking uh sitcom i don't think that's what happened that's that's my theory i think he won because he was noticeably the best uh on the list all right he was just really good i still have to see it i still have to see it definitely the best part of that movie i'm thrilled that morricone won Oh, yeah, me talk too. about someone else who deserves it. Or just a terrific score. It's cool because like when you get a lot of victories like that near the end of somebody's life, they don't really deserve it for that one, but they get it because you know they've just been around. Right. But Morricone, he deserves it for that one. That was a great score. Mm-hmm. And probably will be the legacy of that film, really. Yeah, that and the acting. Yep. And Kurt Russell destroying a priceless antique guitar. Do you know that story? No. I heard about that. He did that shit? Yeah. They had a oh, guitar coming Lord. in from like a guitar museum and there's a shot where he smashes a guitar and somebody was supposed to switch it out with the prop guitar, but they didn't. So he smashed the uh, museum antique in front of everybody. And if you watch the movie, you can see in the shot, Jennifer Jason Lee aghast because she knows what's happening. Oh, Jesus. Because I remember watching the movie and thinking she was overacting in that shot. <laughs> And then when you when you know that, you're like, oh, she's just horrified about this real event. It's like Brandon Lee getting shot. Well, it's ridiculous because when you look at the guitar in the movie, it just looks like a guitar. There's no reason they had to have a priceless antique guitar there. That's just... Motherfuckers. Just get a, get a fake guitar. This, I mean, this strikes me to my core. Like, I'm a big guitar guy, and that's, that's just sad. That's just depressing. Well, the museum won't loan any more guitars out anymore, they said. Well, if they said under no circumstances. If that's the outcome, then maybe it's for the best. Maybe that guitar needed to be sacrificed so that no more guitars can possibly suffer that fate. But fuck, Jesus! Like I, it's it's the point. It's where a good scene. I almost don't even want to see the movie now. <laughs> it's like finding out that like an animal got killed in a movie. It's like I don't want to see that. I there was an it interview suddenly became with her. like one of those fucking mondo <laughs> films for me. This is this, this movie is now cannibal like Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, there was an interview with her where she was still horrified. She was still bringing it up. That's how I heard about it. Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, she was like, they were like, oh, you know, what was your experience? She was like, I love the film except that poor guitar. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah, I, I, oof. You shouldn't have told me that because now I'm. I don't <laughs> know if I'm going to see the movie. Jennifer Jason Lee. You know, I have to admit, I still haven't seen the film. I'm going to see it now because of uh, Morricone, who I, I knew about and forgot about. And then with his winning, <laughs> reminded me that, oh, right, that's why I wanted to see that movie. And then her, actually. I'm She's very really intrigued. Good. I was very intrigued by her uh, in, in an interview that she did for CBS Sunday Morning. 
which I'm going to plug because it's the best damn news show. The plug in CBS. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> thanks, Jenna. And, uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Want to plug Coke while we're at yeah. it? <laughs> Come on. But uh, old Navy. This one's from McDonald's. You yeah. guys should all. You should watch the interview. It's online. But it, it was a good interview with her, and it and it actually reminded me that she's an she's an interesting actress, and now I have to go see it. So she's great in it, and great in Anomalisa. This was a great year for her. Yeah. So how do you feel about Inside Out beating out Anomalisa? I mean, I'm fine with it because it's like, what did I expect was going to happen? <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, it was Inside Out. It was a shoe in. I mean, people adore that fucking movie. I saw it and it's okay, but I don't, I don't know. I liked it better than some of their other more recent stuff, but it was still not that really clever. And I have to say, you know, a point that uh, a friend of mine, my friend Alyssa brought up, uh, which shout I thought was a- Shout out to Alyssa. Shout out to Alyssa. What because up, Alyssa? This is her point and I thought it was an excellent point, was the fact that here they are making a movie with stars a girl- that's about, um, you know, the inner workings and different emotions and feelings and a very, you know, 3D vision of this female lead. And still they had to make like two out of the like four emotions or three out of the four emotions, five emotions, like in her head, a male, which was very interesting. Like, why are these voices male? You know, here you have a female character that you're trying to say has all these different, uh, you know, inside feelings and emotions. Why does anger have to be a guy? Why does well, isn't it like Lewis Black or whatever? And I love Lewis Black, but it still could have been Lewis Black and been a female character. Why not? You Wait, know? what? <laughs> it happens constantly. You know what I mean? Like, there's plenty of women that are doing male voices. Yeah, Why I can't get they what you're do saying. a guy yeah. do, have a do a female voice? It could still sound like a car- cartoonish, you know, or just do five women, or just do five women. It, you know, like that. That's I thought that was an interesting point. Did it ruin the movie for me? Uh, no. Did it ruin the movie for Alyssa? No. But you know, I thought it was it was interesting. It's to, interesting to point though, out. Like it makes sense probably tactically why they did it. But then you're right when you think about it. You're like, because like none of the voices in my head, if I were going to cast them, none of them would be women. Right. I'm sure, none of yours would be men. Interestingly, too, in the other in the film, they show other people's inner voices, and they're usually all one sex. Huh. huh. Depending on the the wow, male we, or we did a nice little <laughs> double, huh? Yeah. So it it was an interesting point, and I it's understand. The only thing you can say about that, huh? It's Bill Hader. It's it's um, Lewis Black, both really talented, hilarious, awesome actors who I love. But you know, did it have to be them? No. Yeah, it could have been like Lisa Lampanelli instead of like Lewis Black or something. You know what I mean? Like could've it could have been, been any sort of just angry. Why are lady. adults still riding with Pixar? I don't understand this one. As far as I can tell, everybody's been disappointed with I'm the past off, a million. I'm off the Pixar train entirely. I tried watching fucking Good Dinosaur. Oh my God, was that bad. <laughs> it was like direct-to-video, like not even Disney direct-to-video from our child, like just generic direct-to-video. It made no sense. It was just fucking dog shit. So uh, yeah, That's what I'm, I have to say about it. Sneeze is the adequate review for that film. Just a just an angry sneeze. When you say direct to video, I picture I don't know why, but Mortal Kombat two, Annihilation, which, which I adore. Was it like Mortal Kombat Annihilation? No, because then it would be my favorite film. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> no, it was it was like just cheapo uh, animation where it's just it doesn't feel like there's enough stuff. Like the movie starts out and it's a di- you are describing Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> But I love it. I love that movie. But look, it starts off with dinosaurs on a farm. This is still basically Mortal Kombat Annihilation, except it's dragons. No, it's not. It, yeah, it is. It's 
dinosaur family on a farm. Uh, presumably, this is a future where dinosaurs didn't die out. Not necessarily a future, but future from, you know, the asteroid missing it. And then it says, all right. So alternate present. Right. Uh, dinosaurs are still around. They operate a farm, but they reduce the operation. Man, you're just sneezing. Getting over a cold, yo. They, they reduce the operation of a farm to just watering plants. Like, that's <laughs> all you have to do. It's so, just an arboretum. Because I think they realized, well, wait a minute. It doesn't actually, like, oh, shit. We would have to, like, we'd have to animate them doing all sorts of different jobs. And it wouldn't really make sense. And their bodies can't really do much. All right, so let's just have them. All right, they drink up water. And then they just spit out water on their crops. Really? And that's all they do. That's that all- sucks because I'd like to see like dinosaurs plowing. Yeah, I, I wish. mean, not, you know, but dinosaurs running plows. All they fucking do. And it's like a shitty Seeding like. would be interesting to watch. It's just like crops. And they could even throw a lot of poop jokes in. They, they Mad could. poop jokes. Yeah, manure. Yeah. I mean, come on, run with it. But yeah, it reduces farming to just spitting on crops and having babies, which as satire. I can kind of appreciate, but it's not satire. It's just lazy fucking like storytelling and lazy setting. Like it's just a shitty setting for a film. Really, really bad. Good Dinosaur is like the nail in the fucking coffin of Pixar, even though I've been off board with them since, uh, I don't know. I mean, I liked half of Wally, but. Yeah, I'll give him half of Wally, all of Monsters, Inc., and probably two out of three Toy Stories. I love Ratatouille. I hate Ratatouille. I that's, love Ratatouille. That's my favorite I one. I hate that fucking movie. You know, like I it. hate all this shit with the critics at the end. Like anytime a movie tries to be about critics, it just annoys me. Oh, I There's love something it. so cloying about it. The, that's know? the lighting in that movie. That's when oh, I finally God, felt yeah. like CGI was like getting there, and then they promptly like backed away from it. <laughs> well, I think they. Uh, I think that movie probably drove them insane doing the lighting because the lighting in that still is way better than anything they've done since. I've heard good things about Zootopia, which just opened. That's getting huge I'm, buzz. Is that the one about zoo animals fucking or whatever? And <laughs> Jesus, wrong, uh, wrong rating. But um, no, I like read that this movie was geared towards the people who uh, furries. Yeah, yeah, it's a furry the costume wear bangers. It's essentially furry world because it's just animals that are. I saw okay. some article. I think it was Gawker. Somebody had this article about how Disney was like emailing those groups <laughs> to like tell them to come out in costume for the movie and that like use I, the hashtags I would totally believe that. I, I, totally I didn't make that. this shit up. It was how I heard about this movie. Animals have been standing around on two feet and doing things like humans and wearing shirts with no pants for many years before furries were a thing. I assume these ones were banging, though, because they were sending those emails. I've never seen a trailer for it. I don't know what this is. Are they banging or not? There's no banging. Who is banging? <laughs> well, if they, if they exist, then somebody banged somebody. Yeah. So right. Technically, the question is, banging. is it going on on camera? I don't think so. Then why is Disney emailing the Bang Brothers? I can't I can't answer that. I, I that's a completely valid point. The Bang Brothers. <laughs> I genuinely thought this was I didn't question it because, you know, whatever. You really think Disney's going to put out some sort of like animal sex tape? I didn't think it was going to be for hardcore, two hours. <laughs> but I thought there was some bridge. There was already the Lion King. Some animals. I thought maybe they that. were. Yeah, like I thought it was gonna be like Lion Kingy, where it's Can a little, a little steamy. The love 
love tonight. That movie was mad Skinamax. I mean, with all the nozzling oh, yeah. and everything. And the, oh, yeah, that scene? Yeah. I watched that again and recently. And the blue lighting and the red lighting everywhere. Oh, yeah. People have fucked to that fucking song. That's like a that's like a solid like late night radio, like yeah. getting it on, light candles, music. Watch a couple lions go at it. Like, can you feel the love? Like, that's yeah. You could take that scene I, exactly, do it in like '95 with like Shen and Darty, and it's like a <laughs> Skinamax movie. Like, they're not talking about like love and Fabio. Love. They're talking about like love, like yeah, making it, making love. That's what I assume this movie is. This movie not like that? No. <laughs> so not what is it? Apparently, it's like a murder it's just, mystery or something. Yeah, it's like there's a oh, cop. that's cool. There's a cop, yeah. and it's a. You know, it's a city it's that's a populated by animals, and it deals with race, I hear. I don't know. I heard that it was actually surprisingly much better than what we've come to expect. <laughs> I haven't come to isn't expect that every, anything. Isn't that every honest. fucking animation film that's better than shit? Yeah. I mean, I assume that all of these are going to be shit. But when something comes out from Ardman, I assume it's going to be good. When something comes out from Miyazaki, I assume it's going to be good. Yeah, they have a better track record. You but, know, like, but when something comes yeah. out from Pixar and Disney right now, well, actually, Disney, I still have some faith in. I've liked most of the Disney stuff. I never saw Cars, so maybe that's part of it. Cars is fine. People, people fucking rag on Cars. Cars, is, if you go back and look at Cars, it's better than the dog shit they've been putting out like the past couple of years. I just hated the design of cars, which is what really turned me off. I don't that like how That was their they... most successful design as far as like marketing and like selling toys and shit. Like yeah, was... what's better than the Dumb. fucking car with eyeballs? Like a cuter they... car with eyeballs. I don't like their <laughs> eyeballs. Well, that's fair enough. But they, I mean, they, they sold more cars stuff than, than anything. That it was because like... all the car fucking scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, how did the cars get made? They don't go into that in the film. I assume they might in cars too. Yeah, it's just assembly line. An in, fucking an antenna goes into a. I'm sure the internet goes into it or Jesus. something. I don't know. The birds and the bees so and you're, the carburetors. You're you're Amy one. Yeah, I'm happy that Amy won. Uh, you know, it, that's another one where was it my favorite documentary of the year? No, I still think Listen to Me, Marlin. I think should have won, but it wasn't even nominated. C'est la vie. But Amy was very good. I liked Amy a lot. I think it was important to come out. You know, I think that something that everyone seems to be doing now as a, like a very social movement is that we're looking back at all the sort of shitty fat shaming or, you know, making fun of people, uh, celebrities for like, you know, stuff that we're assuming they're doing as opposed to what they're actually doing or their actual circumstances. And we're, we're realizing that that's not really very cool. <laughs> well, I've always assumed that she was just a total fucking wreck. I haven't seen this documentary. I don't know if I'm going to feel differently or whatever, but that, that was just the assumption. I don't know if that's fucking media bias. I don't know if it's, that's tabloid shit that I'm just hearing. She but was a wreck. It's just that the question is, how did she become a wreck? And that's what the movie does a good job of explaining, I think. You know, like, I don't know. I, I It's funny because I, I've met, you know, you meet people in general. I feel like there's two camps of, of people. There's the people that say like, well, you're a drunk. You brought it on yourself. Fuck you. And then there's the people that say, well, why, why did that person become a drunk? Which isn't excusing what they've done while they were drunk. It's just looking at it more critically and viewing them as a human being in my opinion so it's like amy did a great job of humanizing who amy winehouse was and i think that that was important you know she she was i think she was insanely talented wonderful singer uh i'm really sad to see her yeah, we, go. we totally differ on the, the quality <laughs> yeah. of her work but you know either way you know i think it's it's you know you can't just like Lindsay lohan everyone looks or kesha actually is the better option right now since everyone is rushing to defend kesha 
Um, and this is after, you know, years of everyone, you know, calling her fat or saying she was stupid. Oh, everybody was ragging on her as like a, just out. a garbage person for the majority of her career. Yeah. Now everybody's like, Suddenly she's rallying. a human being, yeah. right? And now everyone's like, oh shit, oh yeah, okay. Like, wait a second, she's a human and she's had things happen to her in <laughs> life. What? Yeah, so you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I think that it was important to to come out since it definitely didn't in her lifetime, and it's something that the, for Amy Winehouse and it killed her. Yeah. You know, that it killed her that that, you know, her family uh looked the other way, and it killed her that, you know, society kind of let her down by capitalizing on exploiting her. So I don't think society's to blame for her death particularly, but you know, this movie does a great job of showing just how, how little support she had in her life and you know, why it was sort of inevitable that she died. Visual effects. We, we knew was just kind of like whatever gets it. It's fine. Visual effects. I think we came to the conclusion that they're all pretty much fucking good these days. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see ex machina get an award because I really liked it, but you hit a point maybe six or seven years ago where like, (laughs) Visual effects just got good and it's just fine. You know, that could have won. Revenant could have won. Star Wars could have won. Mad Max could have won. Even probably Carol could have won and Bridge of Spies with all the recreation of old New York. Exactly. It's it's fine. It's a really good time for that shit. They're all good. Yeah. Five-way tie. I I would actually really like to see something that's like all invisible CGI win though. Something like Bridge of Spies or Carol. Yeah. I mean, that's the shit people don't realize is that. Yeah. Basically, every big film that comes out has a ton of CGI. It's just a lot of it yeah. you aren't going to notice because it's not a fucking walking, talking dinosaur. Yeah, it's the old thing about how Citizen Kane has more effect shots than Star Wars. Mm. That stuff never gets the uh, nod. You know what? I actually was more impressed by an ex machina more so than the special effects was the um, architecture. <laughs> yeah, the production design loved, was really good. It's, a, yeah. it's an actual hotel in, I think, Sweden or Norway. <laughs> One of those uh, horrible winter places. It's it was beautiful. I mean, that, that's what really I thought was interesting about that uh, movie. I was like, you know, just give that hotel an award. <laughs> oh, I think it's so ugly, but like unbelievably cinematically ugly. Yeah, it was a. It had like a sinister vibe to it that yeah. I really yeah, it was dug. just great. You know, like what you know, I don't want to live there, but it was, was great. I would never fucking stay in that hotel. Yeah. <laughs> what a fine. It's though. like Shining, kind of like nope, not staying there. Well, it's like um, let the right one in. The Swedish vampire movie where like all they had to do was just find like Swedish architecture from like the (laughs) 80s and it's fine. Right. That takes care of your whole movie. It's so scary looking. So cinematography, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, Revenant, three in a row. Fucking unprecedented. Yeah, not really earned. Why you hate that? I'm glad you're fucking saying that because I don't like his work. I don't think I don't I even liked the the three that he did. I'm not hating on Revenant. I just don't think Revenant was the best in really any of the categories. It was not that good. Who should have won for cinematography, Mad Max? Maybe. Well, you were pulling for Creed, which uh, yeah, really got snubbed on that. Yeah, you know what? I, I'd still go with Creed. Creed, I think, was really uh, character based in a way, which mm. is sort of very interesting to see with cinematography. I mean, shots were really about. The best possible way to present the human body and the human emotion. And I mean, like you can read eight or nine people in one room at one time in that movie and feel the like vibe and even like the temperature of the location they're in. And that shit doesn't it's the shit people take for granted because that stuff doesn't just happen. Yeah, like you don't. That's by design. You don't create like a perfect look at a boxing gym where, you know, like the life stories of everybody, everybody by their posture and the look on their face and the location and, you know, like the whole history of the building 
like just by accident. Right. I mean, there, there was so much care in the in the cinematography and Creed and so much character in it, you know. But that stuff, yeah, I mean, that never wins. It always goes to something that, I mean, is also wonderful, but goes to something that goes someplace crazy and, uh, you know, does something exotic. I liked, you know, I, I would... I would say this was deserved for him. I like that. I like his camera work. And I actually thought that part of what made the Revenant really great was that this, it felt like uh, everything that Inaratu typically does, who is a He's a director that I'm not crazy about, but I really like this movie. I thought this felt like he took everything that was good from all of his other movies and he put it in there, but then he held back. He knew when to stop himself. You know, Birdman had that very like constantly moving camera work. Right. Which was also uh, <coughs> Lubeski, right? Yeah. yeah. The lubes. Which got to be too much. You know, it, it was interesting. I, it was okay, but it didn't, I, it got gimmicky to a, a bit and I, I didn't love it. Whereas the Revenant yeah. does some of it, but it stops. You know, what was interesting about that look. Whiplash did like the same thing the same year, but way better without having the nonstop gimmick. Nobody thinks to put them together, but like, I'd love to put like Birdman and Whiplash together and just like take apart the visuals of them. I think, yeah, Whiplash was, was better than Birdman, but, um, Whiplash looked fucking great. Yeah. yeah but you know did. what I mean? It had that same sort of camera work. Right. But somehow it just stuck the landing a little better. I don't even know why. Maybe because the editing was better. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. Birdman needed more editing. It needed, uh, you know, it needed to pull back. It was too indulgent. See, Revenant, I, think Revenant I thought needed more editing too, though. No, I thought Revenant was, was fairly, it was, it never went over the top for me. I think the last 20 minutes were like... That was my favorite part. Oh, God. I thought the ending was so dumb. Oh, that was my favorite part of the movie. I thought it, it builds, you know? It's like, here's a guy that is it's a slow chase for two hours. I loved it. That's I think what it I liked builds about and it. then it goes over. You know, it, it does the Christopher Nolan thing where it has this great natural high and then it just like sticks around for another act. I was much more interested in the second act, though. I mean, I, I wasn't into it. I liked the... They could have shortened the first, actually. That's where I am. They would have had it. to shorten something, but something needed to go. The, uh, the dynamic, I think, was off. It could have maybe even sped up a little in the beginning. Though I, li- I don't know. I liked it. I really, I thought that the pacing of Revenant and then the build and the fact that by the end of the movie, my, my heart was pounding. I, I got really into it. And for something that was so slow, that's what impressed me by it. It was actually really <laughs> brought my heart rate up, and, and it was like... Two guys walking after each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought was well done about it. So it was kind of a double uh, ex machina nod in a way because uh, Alicia Vikander won for a Danish girl. and uh, Which nobody in the history of the world has actually seen. No, nobody's seen that movie. <laughs> I don't think Eddie Redmayne has seen it. I don't think she's seen it. I guarantee you none of the Academy voters ever saw it. Yeah. I, I don't believe it's even real. You look at their screener and you look at like the underside of the DVD and it's just perfectly clean. I don't and even flawless. think it's like a fake trailer. I think it's just fake like stills that get posted in magazines now and again. Right. Like I've never even seen the trailer for that movie. No, neither have I. I saw the trailer. I was interested when they first talked about it because it's an interesting story. But then the second they were talking about Eddie Redmayne and you watching the trailer, I was like, I don't he know. He might be the most overrated actor right now i'll say he was yeah. very good in les mis um, he was good in les mis, he's les not mis bad. Though, i mean tom hooper the trouble is he's attached to tom hooper who is the worst natural director i think in the world right yep. now yeah <laughs> i think joss whedon is the worst visual director in the world right now bar none but joss whedon really does have a good handle on characters and uh integrating humor and some of that sort of stuff you know like the the 90s television and stuff he really yeah. yeah he really can pull that off he's a Big archetype guy. Yeah. He's he has a lot of talent. 
Tom Hooper, I think, is across the board probably the worst natural director who's working on a large scale in the world right now. And visually, I mean, it's like he hates you. <laughs> Joss Whedon, you can tell it's like he does, just doesn't really know where to put the camera. Mm-hmm. It's like Tom Hooper just fucking hates you and is just going to put it wherever it's going to hurt your eye. Eddie Redmayne, I don't know, because he was he's one of these models turned actor. He was a model? Yeah, he is a model. That's Why what he started the, out doing. Uh, he's weird looking. Yeah. All that models nice are weird face. looking. Yeah, but Find me wanna... a model that's not weird looking. Except that's you're talking true. about underwear models. Then they, they get more pretty in the face. But usually it's. I see what you're saying though. Yeah. They're models all weirdies. Are weird they're weirdies. Looking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but right. I mean, I, <laughs> I like, I like him, but I don't love him. I think he is overrated. I hated that. Um, freaking Theory of everything. Yeah. Oh God. God. But, like, I feel like with him, it's not even him, it's his movies. Yeah, I agree. Like, if you could just grab him by the scruff of his neck and throw him into, like, a good movie, he'd probably be fine. It could. But then again, yeah. we also have Donald Gleason, who's been every movie this year. Oh, my dude. And my he's, dude. he's basically just, like, the more interesting Eddie Redmayne. They, I kind of look similar. He needs, a, he needs an award just for being in yeah, everything. Yeah, for being in everything, 100%. This is why I wish they had, like, a, like, you could bulk your movies from the year together. You could package them. Yeah. Because Jennifer Jason Lee should be able to like go up for both Anomalisa and Hateful Eight because those performances yeah, make each other should. better. Yeah. And Donald Gleason, I mean, it's Oscar like. Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Oscar, I, you know, like you should be able to just be like, I did all these this year. <laughs> yeah. Give me something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. You have to have three movies out, out that year to, to qualify. So did anyone. No, I mean, like if you have one and it's like, you know, there will be blood, then all right, you can try to compete. Right. But, like, if you have a bunch, you should be able to, like, stack your bundle. So, did any of you see Room, Brie Larson? I actually no, did. not yet. That's I'm, another I'm movie. I'm dying to see it. I have no clue if she was good. I assume she was fine, but... It's supposed to be spectacular. I mean, I hear it's one of the best of the year. I'm just angry that everyone's talking about that little kid. All right, granted, again, I haven't seen this movie, so... I hate Oscar fascination with little kids. But I can't fucking stand it. They're like, Then oh. there's the beast of no nation little kid yeah, who got exactly. nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. That guy was a goddamn <laughs> genius. But they pluck these, like, little kids, and they're like, oh, how you doing? Let me ask you, like, cute questions that you can give a cute response <laughs> to, and, like, aren't you starstruck, and isn't this great? And then, like... They never talk about the kid ever again. Right. They like build him up. He thinks he's on top of the world. He thinks he's going to have this huge career. And then goodbye. You know, we got we got done with the girl from uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. We got done with this kid. We get done with like these kids so fast. And well, just, it's, I don't think it's getting done with them. It's just, you know, you can't have little kids in movies like they're working nine to fives. That's true. There are there are laws. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we just. Uh, I mean, we can't have a fucking. Uh, but it feels like we like it's like Shirley Temple again. If you're sacrificing like a virgin, it's like a thing where like you. I mean, feed, it's mad weird. You feed the virgin like all this like luxurious food, and like the virgin gets to like you know hang out and do all sorts of fun shit, and then you just bring them up to the volcano and toss them. Yeah, in. it's the Wicker Man. Yeah. Plus, like I feel like until you're about like eleven, if you're a little kid and you're good at a movie. What that means is the director was really good. Yeah. Until you're like Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense, you know, like when you're that age. I was just going to bring up Haley Joel Osment because you know what? What the question of what happened to Haley Joel Osment is Google him because he's really fucking weird looking now. That is well, a, all. His face just grew weird. His face is massive. It's huge. Like I just yeah, have the to cute say, little movie kids always grow up they weird because look they weird. have exaggerated features, yeah. and it's cute when you're young and not when you're an adult. I feel bad for him because he was a genuinely 
spectacularly talented actor when he, he was, was a good. kid. He was good. I mean, he really had a lot of talent. And he, that wasn't even just being directed. He, yeah. he's, he's really, really fucking good. But a young kid, that's just being directed. Yeah. That's not a performance it's, in you're the same way. You're basically tricking the kid to do what you want. Yeah. When they're that young. Uh, and I coaxing mean, them. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm, I'm not totally on the fence with that, but I do admit that I get angry when they award children for acting because I do think that the, it's a little... I don't know. Is it is it like easier? Is that the argument that it's you guys are easier. making that when no, you're a child? No, it's just it's... not. It's apples and oranges. It's not the same thing that you're doing. Right. For example, the little kid in um, Close Encounters, who's just a wonderful performance from that little kid. He's that good because off camera, Spielberg and the technicians are like coaxing emotions out of him. Mm-hmm. When he goes and he runs into the house and he's scared because he sees the alien and then he smiles because he knows it's friendly. Spielberg had uh, the the first AD jump out of a like a box dressed as a gorilla, and then the kid's face lights up because he's scared, and then the guy takes the mask off, and the kid recognizes him and he smiles because he knows. So, who so it you're is. saying this is more like like uh, directing animals, kind of. Well, it's not. I mean, like, it's, it's not it's, like it's directing somebody. You can sit down and say, "All right, we're going to do it like this. this. Is what this is how you're going to do it. You kind of have to go about it roundabout." Yeah, it's like you wouldn't have a kid be your fucking tax attorney. Yeah. Even though, like, you could have a kid who'd be like, that kid's going to be good at math when he's an adult. But you can trick like a, a kid's kid brain, into doing your taxes. A kid's brain, <laughs> it, it's not... The, you can't compare a yeah. little kid doing a job to an adult doing a job. That's mad weird. Yeah, I think it takes away from the uh, adults uh, winning the award when you're giving it to a child sometimes. It just treats it like it's the same, and it's not the same at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, The Shining. I mean, the little kid didn't know he was making a horror movie. It's yeah. you, you're being handled. You're being coaxed emotionally. That's the other thing is to give a child an award like that and make it a big deal also <coughs> kind of screws them up mentally. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's got to be tremendously damaging for any fame for a child. It's yeah. got to, it, I mean, we've seen the cases of it happening where it really fucks you up. I mean, it's, it's it's gotten to the point where it's rare when somebody isn't fucked up by it. Yeah, I think that that's more of the, the deal, uh, maybe in my mind, is that when you give it to an adult, they have a hard enough time with it. Yeah. To give it to a kid is like, you're just, you're setting them up for disappointment. There, but <laughs> it, it's not even just disappointment. It's, you're presenting, Alcoholism. you're presenting a reality <laughs> that has nothing to do with reality. Right. You're, you're showing them a world that has nothing to do with the actual world and you're, praising them for something they can't honestly comprehend what they're being praised for. Exactly. Well, Daniel Radcliffe had a drinking problem because of that. I'm sure. Did he really? Yeah. He's sober now. Ah, uh, the rads. Yeah. Killed his life. But that's yeah, the same thing. He's Harry cast... Potter for the rest of his life. He's fucked. Shia, yeah, but that's Shia a cast LaBeouf that they... Too. He, he had yeah. a drinking problem as well. They went into the Harry Potter movies intentionally trying to stop those kids from ending up like that, too. I mean, they did like everything they could to keep those kids. Well, you know, everyone else you know, seems like to have taken done okay. care of. <laughs> yeah, but like it's just such a hard yeah. thing. And they, I think that set was particularly good about, you know, like trying not to destroy those kids. Yeah, I, no, I don't think that it was, they were malicious in any way. But I, I think it just shows how fucking hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's doing good work now, by the way. I just saw Victor Frankenstein, which I fucking love. I still just don't, like, you out say that and I don't I'm, even understand that. Sentence as possible. I'm I'm really hoping I encounter another human who adored that film. And if you liked it, please call in because fuck, that was good. You're gonna get whoever was on board with you with your fucking Hercules movie. (laughs) 
A lot your of Hercules people, crew. A lot of people were on board. You were with all Hercules. That's a fantastic film. I just want to say real quick with Leonardo DiCaprio. I the think caps. We, we we came to this conclusion uh, in the last one. Catch me if you can. Really, if I mean that would be my yeah. pick for something that he. Yeah, should've that would have been the one. But I'll say this. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He doesn't deserve this award. But the precedent of if you eat something gross, you'll win an Oscar is one that we could have a lot of fun with in the future <laughs> if we do this well. Oh, man. I like that. I like the ramifications of that. I mean, I want to see people just straight up eating dirt trying to <laughs> trying to win it. What does he eat gross in that movie? The liver. I mean, uh, his whole campaign was how how like rough he had it and the gross stuff he ate and the and gross stuff he did. buggered him. Well, no, but yeah, I, like, that, you know, that's the gross... my favorite fake fact of a, of a film because that persists to this day. People think he gets raped by a bear in the film, which like, uh, no, that's a thing. People think the director and him had to come out right. and say, no, that's not what happens in this film. I would have watched that movie. I, I, I mean, if we're being real, it, of course, yeah, there would be nothing it. stopping me. You'd be like, all right, this is something, you know, once in a lifetime. <laughs> Probably not going to like it, but you've got to, you've got to know. Yeah. And I, I, you know, the last one to address, which I don't think we will address because I think you would prefer we didn't address it would be Sam Smith writings on the wall because that was the worst night of his life. Apparently (laughs) big fucking leaner. (laughs) Poor guy. He just straight up Ricky Gervais that whole thing. I mean, that was like, you're right. That could have been, this could have just been Ricky Gervais. It's like an episode. Yeah, of, it, was, it was like an extras, extras episode. Do you yeah. remember the extras one where he's at the BAFTAs and he has the dolls that say his catchphrase yeah. while they're doing the in memoriam? That was this night for Sam Smith. <laughs> yeah, poor fucking guy. Oh, man, he just ate shit. Wait, so let's do the summary just real quick. Well, he sang terribly. Then he... He, he sounded out, drunk. He sang, he sang and he said it was the worst moment of his life, that yes. performance. Just he sounded drunk. That isolated incident. Not even the, yeah. what came after that specific incident of him singing the worst he's ever sung and then winning. It was really... It really was a very bad performance. I mean, I thought it was a joke when I heard the the recording of it. I thought it was like pitch shifted. Yeah, it's poor. He it's might, maybe bad. he couldn't hear himself or something. Yeah, That's no, what I mean. you could never been, fucking hear yeah. yourself. Yeah, there yeah. might have been like acoustics or something was wrong, but it it was bad. But he kind of slurs. That's why I think maybe he also was a little tipsy. Yeah, I don't know. It would also explain the rest of his night. <laughs> yeah, switch. Continue. Anyway, he comes on. He comes on stage. He's like, I don't. I, somebody mentioned to me that uh, you know, there's never been a. Uh, openly gay oscar winner and so i just want to say you know i'm openly gay thank you for the award this that and the other and of course there actually have been and uh you know somebody brings that up and well somebody yeah somebody tells him this and then what he thinks is that this is a day later at this point he thinks that he's the second guy (laughs) right the second gay guy to win so he says all right well you know second's still good and of course that's incorrect yeah, so then somebody else is like, well, no, there's been like a bunch. And then they named this one guy. I forget his it was like Howard something. Yeah. Um he actually was a really esteemed guy. He he was a Disney songwriter. He did uh Beauty and the Beast and I think The Little Mermaid. Yes. Were the ones he won for. So they mentioned this guy and they're Howard like Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman, yeah. They're like Howard Ashman. And Sam Smith's like, Oh, I don't know him. We should date. And the interviewer is like, Well, he died in nineteen ninety one of AIDS. <laughs> And that was the end of Sam Smith's night. 
It's very Ricky Gervais. Yeah, that's it's wow. A, that's an episode of extras right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, poor you can hear the theme song coming yeah. in after that. <laughs> poor, poor Sam Smith. Or, or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Even like boom, 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 boom. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more episodes. See you soon. And now, Smug Film presents Robot Reenactments. All right. Listen to me. You pull up right where she lives, right? Before you get out of the car, you lock both doors. Then, get out of the car, you walk over to her. You bring her over to the car. Dig out the key, put it in the lock and open the door for her. Then you let her get in. Then you close the door. Then you walk around the back of the car and look through the rear window. If she doesn't reach over and lift up that button so that you can get in, dump her. Just like that? Listen to me, kid. If she doesn't reach over and lift up that button so that you can get in, that means she's a selfish broad and all you're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. You dump her and you dump her fast. This has been a robot reenactment. Now, back to the show. Hello, I am the hunky smug film sponsor plug man. I'm here to tell you about the fine people who support the smug film podcast through Patreon. You all should check out Bobby Slow on Twitter, he's a very funny and good man who tweets funny and good things and is worthy of your love. And he has a really good Twitter ratio of followers to following. That's impressive. Once again, that's Bobby, Slow, on Twitter. You should also check out Minor Key Games. Go on over to MinorKeyGames.com and check out these awesome computer games made by David and Kyle Pittman. Two brothers that make great video games with an old school feel. Cody hates new video games for the most part, but he enjoys the heck out of these. Once again, that's MinorKeyGames.com. Also, be sure to check out Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper's documentary about the cult classic film The Room. It's a great documentary that we all love here at Smug Film, and go to RoomFullOfSpoons.com to find out when it's coming to your city. Thank you for listening to my hunky voice, and thank you all who have donated to the show. And if you would like to be plugged on the show, please head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm and donate. And now, back to the episode. Hello. I am the new smug film voicemail plug lady. I'm sexier, better, and lovelier in every way. Anyway. Please leave a question or a comment for the Smug Film Podcast at 718-395-9711, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening to my beautiful voice, and now, back to the show. And we are back, and here is a voicemail. Oh, hey, that's the Smug Film Podcast. So I was I was thinking, I had a question. I, I was watching Titanic the other day, and I got thinking like, if you kind of, like, can recognize that a movie's being emotionally manipulative, but it's also, like, working on you, where, where does that put you, like, in a place of, like, critical ethics? Like, can you recognize that it's kind of false and artificial, but it's hugely effective? I think Titanic's actually a really good example of that, because I, I think even Kate Winslet recently uh, in, like, a talk show interview, she came out and she was like, yeah, the the whole thing with, like, the door... And being on it and not getting both of them on it doesn't make sense whatsoever. And she, she was saying, like, that always pissed her off. Like, just the mechanics of that. Like, why didn't they try and get him on the thing? And, like, it didn't it didn't make sense. It was, like, a bad prop, essentially. Um, I feel like that 
thing. Like that's it's very sad. And I'm like, Titanic makes me cry. It's just a sad scenario and all that. But it really doesn't make much sense. And it's emotionally manipulative because it doesn't it, it, like if you stop and think about it, you're like, all right, well, that's stupid. All right. But here's the thing. Literally every movie ever made at any time for any purpose by anybody anywhere is emotionally manipulative. That, that's absolutely true. There right. is no exception to that rule. Right. And, and it, either art, you can dress art. it down. Yeah. yeah. Either you can dress it down and like pretend that's not what you're doing. Or you can sort of dress it up and go for, or you can sort of shoot for the middle, you know, whatever. Yeah. But basically, emotional manipulation is the end game, no Th- matter what. That's so the, you might that's as well, the baseline here. You might yeah. as well commit to that going in. But then you sort of hit the Umberto Eco thing where he said in his piece about Casablanca, actually, where he said that uh, one cliche makes us cringe and a hundred makes us weep. Mm. You have this sort of like equilibrium you're trying to find, that's, you know? That's a really good quote. This is a really great piece. Uh, rest in peace, Umberto. But yeah, you know, you have this sort of internal logic to, to the movie. And, and, you know, if the internal logic of the movie is that it's very thrown open, like uh, like Titanic is, which from the beginning is really sort of a tearjerker, then you can go along with it and it, it, it doesn't jar you. But whereas... A, a counter example of that where it doesn't work would be, do you remember the Godzilla remake with Matthew Broderick? Yes, I do. <laughs> I love the, 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 the comparison there. Continue. Yeah, did, where not, did not think that was getting brought up. It's all like, you know, Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page and like, yeah, let's fuck this monster up. Helicopters and shit and, you know, like stuff getting torn up and let's let's get this fucker. And then at the end... When they finally corner God's on, they're like, we're going to blast this piece of shit, this fucking green dickhole. <laughs> they start shooting their their missiles at him, and like it goes to slow motion, and they start playing this sad piano. Yeah. And you watch him like trip down the bridge trying to escape, and it's like heart-wrenching, and you're like, you fucking dicks. Yeah, they try and have it both ways. Yeah, they, they, uh, they switch the terms of the deal they made with you at the beginning, at the end. And you come out of it, you're like, come on. Like, he just gave me an hour and a half of let's fuck this dude up. Then when we finally got him, you know, I was like watching a dog die. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel about, uh, I think Lars von Trier in general, I find very emotionally manipulative. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think like Dancer in the Dark, I think I've brought up before as something that I just think is the worst like, you know, here you have a story about like a like a woman who is on uh, hard times, right? And instead of just like doing like a subtle emotional and interesting film, he just like keeps hitting her with literally the worst possible things that could ever happen to her for two hours over and over and over and over and over again. And then he makes her like actually interesting and innocent and like to to like an unknown degree so that you can't dislike her and you have to only feel sad that these bad things are happening to her. And then by the end of the film, you're like, fuck you. You know, like there's no way to not feel sad about it other than just turning the movie off and walking away from it. So I can't stand that. Is it kind of like funny games in that way where it's just like, you know, it's bad thing happening, bad thing happening, bad thing happening, worse, 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 worse. And it's like the movie is almost challenging you. Like, why are you even watching it at this point? Like, you know that this isn't going to get better. With funny games, I at least feel like it was making a point about movies yeah, that's what, and violence. That's why I'm asking with, because with I, I haven't seen Dancer in the Dark. It just felt like this was he just thought like you know oh you may, maybe, <laughs> but I I just get the sense that he just he likes to prop people up and then hate them. 
He likes to kill people. He likes to watch them suffer. And there's really no way to watch that movie and not, you either have to indulge in her suffering or you just have to feel terrible. And it wasn't even a message about you. It was just like, screw this character. And I'm just going to tell you how much she sucks for two hours and how much I'm going to ruin her life. I didn't like it. I just thought like that was some, that's the type of thing I can't deal with. Make a point about it. Sure. Like funny games. I like funny games. I thought was interesting. Even if the point, you know, then there's a movies too that we, I think we've spoken about too with those fuck you movies, you know, where they, they prop you up for two hours. Oh, Hey, come here. It's really great. And then they punch you. You know, and they say, how dare you come over here? Fuck you, idiot, for walking over well, here. Well, I mean, that's a felony. If, if that happened to you at a theater, I think you should ask <laughs> for your money back. But then you have a movie like Still Alice, which came out recently, that, you know, uh, is also a movie that you can't watch and not weep. But at the same time, I thought it was subtle. I thought that it made it was very uh, wonderfully acted. I thought that the point of the film was about the sort of decline of a disease and you you watch it happen. Will you cry? Yes. But you also kind of realize that, you know the point of the story is to tell you sort of this, the downfall. So that at least had like, it was interesting. It didn't feel like they were manipulating me, even though they were, you know, like the, there's no way, again, there's no way not to cry when you see some woman in the prime of her life suddenly and get Alzheimer's and then die from it. You know what I mean? Like it's just a horrible story. Or Springsteen's dancing in the dark is one of the great <laughs> emotionally manipulative songs, but you go along with it. Then you can't movies. start a fire without a spark. But you even know, if we're just dancing in the dark. God bless this Jersey man over here. <laughs> Brings a tear to my eye. Just That's like, a great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't. Well, you you can't. I defy you to, to start, start a fire it. without a spark. Yeah, it's very. I mean, if not impossible, very difficult. Yeah. But then to to address right. movies like Titanic, yeah. I watched Meet Joe Black recently. Which, oh my um, god, that is mad. That that one goes over some lines. Oh yeah, like I I watched it's it because so I goofy for it. I wanted to see Brad Pitt in the prime of his life, and I got that. But I yeah. agree, it was they have some really dumb choices. You should be watching River Runs Through It. That's, oh that's yeah, that's some prime beefcake. Uh, I would argue <laughs> Fight Club. Fight Club, Club is yeah. great. Yeah, and Troy, was, which he was a little older in Troy. But Troy was he was I a little beefier that. in Troy. Fight yeah. Club, he was like cut. Yeah, he's real. Fight Club yeah. is, yeah, that's the body like, stuff. Yeah. He had like the lines where it's like pointing to the junk. Yeah, like he had junk his, lines. He had <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. It was like, <laughs> I think he invented those. Yeah, he invented junk Nobody has ever had those junk before lines. him. He like yeah. invented those muscles. Because you follow any one that's, of those I call lines. those Barbie. They look like Barbie Ken dolls. Yeah. That's what they look you like. can follow the left line or the right line, but you know where you're going. The destination <laughs> is clear. The destination that's is That's different than the treasure treasure trail. Right? That should be the name of like a of a movie of just all guys like that. It should be called Destination Junk. <laughs> Let's get a whole bunch of dudes in here and we'll talk about our favorite Brad Pitt shirtless moments. Yeah. Let's yeah, that actually, that'll be the bonus episode. 10, 15 guys. No, but if I was making like a Andy Sidaris like type, like TNA, but like dudes, like a gay version, it would be called Destination <laughs> Junk. And it'd be all dudes with like the V lines pointing to the, to the cock and balls. And that would be that would be my film. It would be the scene from Fight Club where he's explaining the rules of Fight Club. Yeah. But everybody else in the scene is just a Brad Pitt from a different movie. Yeah. And naked. Yeah. So you'd have Troy one there, River runs through it, Brad Pitt in the back with his like fishing pole. Dude, that would have millions <laughs> of hits on YouTube. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Mm. and Mrs. Smith, Brad Pitt there. Whoo. I gotta go do a thing. <laughs> John John will be back or not. <laughs> Well, my point about Meet Joe Black, though, is that like here you have a, a fairly 
corny movie, but I can see why someone would watch this and, and, you know, feel emotional about it or get into it. Why not? You know what I mean? It has that same feeling that I had from Titanic at least. See, I think the car crash ruins it though, because it's so, uh, I just think the ill-conceived the concept. Oh, the car crash is hilarious. Yeah, like I think once that happens, it it blows the whole movie. Uh, that's what the, so I was yeah the timing of them looking back at each other as they leave that diner and yeah. it lasts for like ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and then it ends with I was like oh it's just get it's hit like by a, a South car Park bit. and he gets hit by a car. It was that was perfect comedic timing. Yeah, it, perfect. I still think the king of that, which I think you're sort of we're we're, we're heading slowly to we're heading to- there. Probably, I think the most emotionally manipulative and like shitty about it, like, and it doesn't work on me. It works on some people, and some people watch that movie and they like, oh my god, it's, uh, cried, which is crashed, not the Cronenberg one, which is pretty fantastic, but the uh, the one that won Best Picture. Does Crash work on anybody anymore? I mean, I don't, I don't hear about that movie except in the context of people hating it. I only I only see it on YouTube because like I looked up. There's that scene where like the kid gets shot, or oh, but, yeah. do, but doesn't get shot. And you look at the comments and it's like, oh my god, this is the greatest scene ever. And it's like, or they wrote that like three days ago. So apparently, it still works on some people. But you it's like wa- American History X. If yeah, if you watch that scene now. In a post Tim and Eric world, yeah. Oh my God, is it funny? And I can't even understand how that was ever seen as like this, like touching, like tearjerker scene. Like it's, it feels like a something out of Tim and Eric's bedtime stories. Just the 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 pace of it and the music and this, that, and the other. It's just oof. That's the yeah. The key is a post Tim and Eric. You're right. Yeah, you this comedy watch... now is all about that kind of Absolutely. shitty timing and yeah. non jokes and. But it, it, is, it, it happens to every it. generation of tearjerkers. I mean, they go straight to comedy. I mean, look at all the Victorian stuff that was um, even like the, the World War One songs and the, you know, like the the sad mother while our kids go to war thing. Like all that stuff went right into comedies and all the little orphan dramas in the uh, turn of the century all became Chaplin and uh, the, the Mary Melody stuff. Like there's this lo- or love story in the 70s right. went right into like... Carol Burnett and all that stuff. There's a long history of tearjerkers getting pulled right into comedies because it's just such a exquisite target there. What's interesting are the ones that it doesn't really happen to. Like it didn't really happen. I mean, like people made fun of them, but like the wartime stuff in the forties. Well, you can't really make fun of pretty well for tomorrow. Up. That's never going to get fucking. Yeah. Some of that stuff really still has, has bite. Yeah. And then I think like, you know, like the Cirque stuff in the fifties, the oh, big God, Technicolor yeah. stuff. Yeah. That stuff really held up, and I'm not really sure why. I would think it was because of the the times, but that's not really the case with the 50s stuff. But the 40s stuff, you know, the world felt like it was ending, so they might have just had more heart in it. But I don't know. It's weird. Like, some some little branches of it endure longer, but they all get immediately grabbed for uh, and mined for comedy. The music, too. You know, those music swells and Gone with the Wind and everything are, you know, they're, they're all over all the... Uh, all the Bugs Bunnies and everything. I, you know, to go back to the the voicemail though, I I think that you know there's nothing wrong with crying at the cheap shot. You know, as John said, everything is emotionally manipulative. Uh, that's 100 it. It's all being presented to you. It's all being written. But then if something comes out that's like you can see it, it's transparent. You're like, <coughs> I can see how this is. I can see where it's going. I can predict it, but it still makes me sad. Then it's succeeding on some level. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, you know, it's like enjoying pop music versus uh, orchestral music or something. 
there's nothing wrong. Or even orchestral music really has a lot of that. Oh, sure. But you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah, that idea yeah. of like, you know, the highbrow, lowbrow shit. And there's really nothing wrong. You know, it's popcorn tastes just as good as lobster. You know? I think a, a lot of critics have trouble and it means a lot of sort of critically inclined audience members have big trouble with um, the Little temptation China. to like Lil China, certainly. But the temptation to to disregard your own like emotional experience in a movie because it's not something you ever have to justify and it's not something you ever have to like weigh against the set of criteria. It's just it if it works on you, it works on you. And then you can try to take it apart to find out why, but you never have to take it apart to try to make it stop working on you. It's never that should never be the goal. Yeah, and just because you can see how something was done doesn't mean it can't be good. You know, like it yeah. doesn't have to amaze you and wow you as to, oh, oh, no crap. I, I never could have done that stuff that even you could have done. You know, sometimes I like I feel like when people critique art, you know, especially modern art, they're always like, oh, I could have done that. Yeah, a kid could have done that. Well, you didn't do it. No. And then like, well, do you do you like it? Is it OK? If you hate it, then great. You hate it. If you think it's a pretty OK, but you could have done it, then so what? <laughs> It's still fun. good. <laughs> I, I, the the kid could have done it argument. I always found so funny because if you have a child and they create a piece of art, you're like, oh my god, this is so wonderful. I'm gonna put this on the the, the fridge. This is uh, like you you have you like parents like cry when their kid like makes like a painting or something. It's funny that like a kid could make that is used as like an insult when yeah. if you actually have a kid, it's like. You know, it, it it means more to you than anything else. That's true. But I mean, like, you know, you look at Rothko. Could anyone have done Rothko? Yeah, in theory, <laughs> but they didn't. And, uh, you know, you can argue about how much he's worth uh, in, as far as uh, pricing or in history. But, you know, that said, not still anybody successful. can do good emotional manipulation. That's absolutely I mean, it's true. Incredibly yeah. hard. That's absolutely true. If it true. wasn't, we wouldn't have a, a whole sea of movies to make fun of about it. Right. You know, like the number of people who could do Titanic is one. It was James Cameron. Nobody else could do that. The number of people who could do a brief encounter was one. It was David Lean. Oh yeah. Nobody else could have done that like that. You know, like a, a really, you know, Cirque. There's one guy. It was Cirque. You know, like a, a really good movie that affects you. It is itself. You know, it, it doesn't have to justify itself. Under any other rubric other than, you know, it, it affected you. It worked. Yeah, yeah they, they yeah. did it and you didn't. And you can take that apart and try to figure out why and what elements. And you'll learn a shitload doing it. But your goal shouldn't be to try to talk yourself out of liking it. Because well that's said, stupid. Yeah. Why, why, why ruin it? For what? All right. Well said. And we are going to end here. Any final thoughts, y'all, before we split? No. <laughs> no? All right. <laughs> Thank y'all for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye.